Hello again, it's Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 105, recorded on Sunday the 8th of November 2015, and the time at the start of the show is 12.12. With me today is a friend, Tom, who also... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll start that being good. With me today is a friend, Tom, who also... (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, one sec. (laughs) Today we're going to do something a bit different because I already did a big podcast a few days ago. So today I invited a friend of mine from a local writing group that we both attend. Apparently this is Tom's first time on a podcast, but I don't think he'll have a problem because he's been in a rock band. Thank you. (laughs) That's all right. We've talked about comics and movies before, so we thought we'd share a bit of our banter today. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you want to get into the DC TV shows at the moment that are on. Yes, I do. Well, I don't watch much TV myself, and I've just pretty much discovered over the past couple of weeks there's this whole new universe of um, it's Arrow... Flash, there's a one called Legends of Tomorrow, which I have no idea. I don't know who, which heroes are in it, what it's about. I just know it's tied in with Arrow and Flash. I don't know who's in it. And there's also a Teen Titans one. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a rumour or whether it's confirmed, but that's also going to be in the same universe as Arrow and Flash if it gets produced. But are they so, going to have that? Japanese title music again. I love that music. Oh, I haven't seen the cartoon for years, but yeah, I liked that. That was really good. Like Flash, I haven't seen Flash yet, but the reviews I've read of it, they say it's just pure classic 1950s comic, crazy stuff. There's a talking gorilla, because Arrow is like dark Batman. It's like crime. He's taking down organised crime, but Flash, he's in the same world as Arrow, but he's taken out the sci-fi bad guys, so he's taken out these giant gorillas with brain hats that make them able to talk, and time travel portals, and all suits that can shrink him down, and all into an atom-sized, and all this kind of thing, so I haven't seen it yet, it's out on DVD now, I'm really looking forward to getting myself a copy. I'm just trying to think if that's the Flash TV series that I've seen, or is it a new one? Because there's also a film coming out. They're not going to have the TV series in the same world as the movies. They want the movies to be separate, so there's going to be a Flash in the film. If there's a Justice League film, he'll be a different Flash, played by a different actor. Ah, then I have seen the Flash TV series. Well, I saw the first few episodes. I think I talked about it in the podcast. You're saying that it's light in tone, but the episodes I saw weren't that light. Oh, well, got to get a, just have a copy and give it a chance, because it came from Arrow, because he was introduced as a character in Arrow, which is very dark. It's like grim vigilante show. The thought of Grodd the gorilla, the talking gorilla villain, I know he's supposed to turn up in the show, and I can't imagine him in live action, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do him. Okay, I've been watching Daredevil. I had a podcast where I talked to another guy who had also been watching Daredevil a while back, and I think you're going to like that the most. Well, I'm a big Daredevil fan, and I love the 80s comics. I love the 
comics they did about 10 years ago. There was a series where he his identity was revealed to the public and he went to prison. And I really liked that series. But I'm hoping the TV show is as good as the best comics. I think it's different to the comics, but it is very, very good. I do like the new Kingpin. Oh, yes. Yeah, I suppose he'd be the main bad guy. He's like Daredevil's arch enemy and stuff. Well, in the TV series, he is incredibly bad. Oh, well, I can imagine. There was that movie they did about 10 years ago or so, which I thought was okay, but it wasn't really as good as the comic. I didn't mind the Kingpin in the film. I thought he was he was okay. He was okay in that film. I remember you're talking about the one with Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. And the um, oh, the Kingpin was played by the same actor who was from The Green Mile, who played the guy who was unfairly accused, I think. Well, his Kingpin was okay, but he wasn't really as evil as he is in the comic. So you're saying he's very evil in this new TV he's show, then, extremely, yeah. probably well, how it should be. Yeah, I suppose he is evil, but I'm trying to quantify his evil. I mean, he's deranged. <laughs> he's very functional. He's not... I don't think you'd call him a psychopath, but he's extremely violent, very, very well organised, and has some severe personality issues that makes him really dangerous. Well, in the comics that I read about 10 years ago, he was kind of brought down to earth that, like, Matt Murdock had beaten him, he lost his empire, and he was like a, almost like a homeless guy trying to put his empire back together and kind of made him sympathetic in a way that you came to like him in this particular series because he was, he'd lost all his power and he was kind of brought down to having to survive as an ordinary guy. And he actually started fighting by Daredevil's side because they had a, a mutual enemy. I can't remember the details, but you actually almost start to like him. Though I, I don't know what's going on in the current comics. I'm not up to date with the current continuity and stuff. But I liked that series. Well, I won't spoil the TV show for you, but Kingpin is really important to the plot and you do get deeply into his character they really do a good job of fleshing him out too and there are occasions and this is what's really disturbing you can sympathize with him a great deal for a lot of the show and then suddenly Mm. he'll do something Mm. so terrible yeah yeah oh that's all the best bad guys are a bit like that yeah i've got to see that i've really got to get myself a copy of that when i when it comes out on DVD or comes to the UK. I wanted to ask you about something, because I said a while back in the podcast that I would go and see Terminator Genesis, but I never did, because the reviews came out, and then I saw the clips, and I thought, hmm, looks a bit pantomime-y. So tell me what you thought of it. I actually saw it in the cinema on its last day of release, so I just caught it very luckily, on its almost last showing. And I liked it. It starts off with the kind of attack that you've all heard about in the original film of that they've beaten Skynet and find the time machine. So it's kind of a scene I've imagined. It's one of those things like you imagine how the guy became Darth Vader. I've imagined that all these years. So it was nice to finally see it made flesh. And then... They go back to the 80s, but it's a different 1980s because the, the good Terminator has already been sent back. 
And he's already trained Sarah Connor from childhood on how to fight Terminators. So it's a completely different time. Is it enjoyable? It's very enjoyable. It's a very fun film. And like, it's a lot of nostalgia. He, because the Kyle Reese kind of goes to the exact same store that he broke into in the original film and steals the same outfit. And they kind of got it exactly right. So there's lots of nostalgia. I heard that they did that J.J. Abrams thing of creating a separate timeline which explains why everything's so different. Yeah, that's, I'm not sure how well it works, really. it's. I suppose, for me, I'll always consider the original timeline, like with Star Trek, I think the original timeline's going to be the real one for me. Before we started the show, we were talking about Star Wars. I mean, I'm looking forward a great deal to the new film. Oh, I'm really excited about suspect it. suspect you are too. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it looks so good. And I think the director of Empire Strikes Back is one of the writers on the film. And everything about the film looks like it's really nostalgic and it's kind of bringing back the spirit of the old films. And that's probably what I'm most excited about. Because um, the, the newer films, I liked them, but they didn't. They kind of had a more modern feel, and I like the old feel. I like the seventies and eighties atmosphere. So if they're going back to that and making it feel like the old Star Wars, and I was in the shop the other day, and they had these big posters and bed sheets that all had the old Marvel comic Star Wars pictures on of Yoda and Darth Vader and stuff. I hadn't seen those comic pictures since the time they were new, so I thought, oh, they're really bringing up the nostalgic stuff with this new film. They're really trying to make it feel how the old films did. So, yeah, that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. And what were you telling me about the canon? Oh, well, for the past 25 years, there's been a long novel series about the characters, the main characters, what they did after the series was over. They got married, had kids. In the novels, Luke Skywalker has a wife who's a former Dark Jedi who turns good when she meets him. And they've said that the books aren't canon anymore, which means they're not part of the official story. The film might contradict them. But we don't know for sure. They can use things from the books. They're just not necessarily going to be used, as far as I know. So... It's like you said with Star Trek. When I saw that first Star Trek film with J.J. Abrams, the friend I saw it with was almost weeping when he came out and he said, I've collected Star Trek videos for 20 years and everything I watched didn't happen. I feel like a part of my life's been taken away because of this new timeline. And I thought, well, you could just ignore the new film. Just make your own choice. If you like the old series, make that your canon. I don't care about canon. I just think if you liked the old series, if you liked the novels, you take it as you enjoyed it. They don't treat canon well, film companies. They change things all the time. They contradict themselves. So if I liked a novel, to me it happened. I don't care if they contradict it later on. Okay. I was looking up the guy I was telling you about. They hired a geek to look after the Star Wars canon. I think he works for uh, LucasArts. I'm just looking him up now on Wikipedia. But his name's Leland Chi. 
Yeah, it's a Lucasfilm official, and the person who maintains the holocron <laughs> continuity <laughs> database. Well, it sounds very stalled. <laughs> so he's basically the guy who makes... Uh, I'm not sure that he decides solely himself, but he's the one who makes sure that the entire timeline is consistent. I think they had to do that, though. I remember reading a book... It's a really well-known book by Alan Dean Foster called Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that one. It's really a story that concerns just Luke and Leia. Mm. And Mm. there's definitely a bit of romance going on. So, obviously, that's not going to work later on. That's the problem with these canon, is that a later revelation... It was really important in this particular book because the book was so well received. I mean, there are a million Star Wars spin-off novels that people have never heard of, but this one was pretty well known, and it caused a bit of a yes. <laughs> so, well, problem. Kind of the film ignored it and said they were siblings. So everyone who read the book and liked it was like, "Oh well, something strange between Luke and Leia going on there." <laughs> Doesn't he fight Darth Vader in that one as well? I haven't read it, but I've Sounds heard familiar, someone, and maybe. Which, someone told me he fights Darth Vader, and then it was kind of written out of the series because he couldn't have beaten Darth Vader. This chap who looks over the continuity, so is this guy going to have to read every single novel, watch every cartoon? You know, that's is, a good question. I, mean, that, I think he... Probably does, actually. That is his full-time job, and he's been doing it a very long time. When I was a boy, I thought it must be George Lucas. George Lucas must read every novel, every comic. He knows the whole, but then I know now that's not the case, because I heard an interview with him. He says he doesn't follow the novels. He leaves that to Lucasfilm and the fans. So I thought, okay, so it was a bit sad, but that's his choice, so... It will put my faith in this new guy who's going to look after the novel series. And... Oh, I don't think he's new. I think he's been there for years. He's he's got a yeah. really unique job. Well, yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Have I don't know what his salary is. Have a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> All you got to do is consume everything from Star Wars. He's got everything in his head, like you know, he's got to remember every detail from every novel and say, oh. Yoda went to this planet in book 17, now in book 50, he's going there again. Well, somehow oh, I think he's how's... probably got a really big spreadsheet. Yeah, he's have to write things down at some point. Anyway, that can't be that complicated. I mean, think about George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. That's insanely yeah, complicated. Well, yeah, I mean, he's put so many details in that series. <laughs> and now, I mean, as you know, the books are so huge, they come out in two parts usually when because they're they're not big enough to be contained in one paperback i just well you know is the last book going to be some big five volume huge monster that's going to tie up every plot point well i think george rr R. martin probably has kidnapped someone tied them in down <laughs> in the basement and said work out what my characters are doing and tell me so i don't know how he does it i couldn't do it we're in the same writing group. I'm writing a novel. Yeah. It doesn't have that many characters, and even I'm having trouble keeping track of them. Yeah, because 
Well, a lot of novelists write gritty fantasy, but they have a smaller scale than his books. His, like Song of Ice and Fire, it's like five novel series in one almost, and getting bigger and bigger. So many new characters. It's such a big world. It's amazing what a big world he's created. I just can't imagine how it's all going to get tied in. Do you remember Lost? Did you watch? Oh it? yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't watch the final season actually. I've got it ready to watch, and I did watch the rest of the show. Well, the point is, they were writing that script, Seat of the Pants, and they also got a problem where it got really complicated, and they also had a guy with a huge (laughs) amount of spreadsheets and whiteboards (laughs) and bits of paper who was keeping track of the whole thing. When I watched Lost, I wanted to see if you could figure out the mysteries, if there were enough clues in the show. I thought you... The viewer has to know everything. So I wanted to keep a kind of list in my head of what was going on with every character. But in the end, that's so complicated. I just watch every episode and enjoy it and not try to keep track of every single thing that's going on. Wow, it was brilliant towards the end. They had that whole flash sideways thing where uh, they weren't going back in time they were going sideways in time so what's that like an alternate universe yeah ah. almost like an alternate timeline where Sawyer's a cop oh well I didn't get that far that's <laughs> yeah that, oh, that sounds really good I've got to, I've got to finish the series almost had the same feeling when Walking Dead the latest season I think it's oh, yeah. season six yeah I watched the first episode I talked about this in an earlier podcast and I, for the life of me, I couldn't understand a thing. I thought maybe it's my dodgy memory. And I was watching it thinking, wait a minute, this is a flashback. But I don't remember <laughs> any of this stuff happening. <laughs> Turns out that I'd missed half of season five. Oh, uh, these American TV shows, they've got so many details. Yeah, you've got to watch everything. Oh, um, one thing I liked in Lost was that statue. There was that kind of... Three-toed statue. No one has ever managed to successfully explain that to me. I think someone was talking about it maybe at the Geek Group at some stage. I don't remember when. But I don't think anything the person I spoke to made any sense at all. (laughs) Maybe it's one of those things that you've got to use your imagination. They've left it unexplained. I think so, yeah. yeah. Do you know that Lost has... Some really strong parallels with a game called Mist. Mist, ah, well, I know of Mist. I've not linked it to Lost ever. There are also two brothers who don't get on with each other on a strange mm. island in the middle of nowhere. Ah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get a copy of the Mist games now because I played it at the time on an old PC, but I don't know how difficult they'd be to track down now or whether they'd be compatible with a modern PC. I've been playing Mist Uru online, and I'm just stuck. <laughs> I'm stuck. Oh, yeah. And I don't have yeah. any inclination to finish it, because every time I boot the game, it then downloads an enormous chunk of DLC. Oh, so there's right. always a long so wait. Just, oh, they're very relaxing games, the Mist games. That's what I liked, that whole kind of point-and-click adventure thing. There's another one I was really into called Grim Fandango about the same time. He's like a Mexican zombie, Day of yeah, the Dead zombie type that character. And that, that was a really good game. You had to get... Oh, those had like a key in a balloon and 
you couldn't pop the balloon to make the key fall. You had to throw breadcrumbs at the balloon to make a pigeon fly towards it and peck the breadcrumbs so the balloon popped. And it was all that kind of thing. Really wacky puzzles. I've got to get a copy of that game, play it properly sometime. Yeah, I was thinking when you mentioned Grim Fandango, I remember a game that I used to like on the Sega Mega Drive called Chakan the Forever Men, I think. Forever Men. I don't think I played that. He was a swordsman, but he looked a bit like a zombie. I don't so think I played that. Shriveled up. A bit like, oh, you'll know this, Iron Maiden. Who's oh, the, Eddie. 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 <laughs> looked like Eddie crossed with Solomon Kane. So that kind oh, of well, yeah, pattern. yeah, that sounds really cool. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I don't know of that game, but it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, Solomon Kane crossed with Eddie. And I really liked the film of Solomon Kane, it came out a few years ago. Probably the best game on Mega Drive for me was the Shining Force series, role playing game series. They were really good. Shining Force, haven't heard of that. <laughs> they were really good, like kind of like, um, kind of a like a board game-ish. You have this army of warriors and you add them with their different abilities and you have... It's almost like a chess game, really, but you move through the world having these kind of board game-type battles that help you progress. So they're really good games. What platform was it on? Uh, Mega Drive. Sega Mega Drive. Oh, I think right. they were only on Mega Drive. As we're on Sega Mega Drive, I've got a whole bunch of games that I've never managed to complete. Oh, yeah, what are those? Right. One of the most frustrating of all was Echo. Echo the Dolphin? Yeah. I couldn't get past the first level. I didn't understand a thing. I played it. I think I got past the first level. I definitely didn't complete it. (laughs) The sea creatures give you clues. You, like, put your sonar to them, and they talk. It's difficult, because you're... Yeah... Dolphins have to breathe, don't they? I don't know my dolphin biology that well, but he couldn't stay under the water forever. <laughs> I've lost track completely. <laughs> yeah, I was completely <laughs> rubbish at Echo the Dolphin. I really liked um, the main game on the Mega Drive, Sonic the Hedgehog. They're such good games. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. Huh? Yeah, they had such huge levels. Did you ever play LHX Attack Chopper? No, no. That was really good. That was apparently it's very realistic helicopter simulator, and I'd always crash on that. I could never ever land that. I played G Police on PlayStation One. That's helicopter classic helicopter game on PlayStation One. That was pretty good. And Mortal Kombat Two. Oh yeah, they're they're, (laughs) they're fatalities and turn them into a baby and. Give them a gift or that stuff that you do. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> was that one of the uh, special moves that would kill you? Well, you had the choice in one of the games. Instead of doing a fatality, you could do a babality, which turned them into a baby. <laughs> well, with I a little, little sub-zero nappy. Nothing, <laughs> but I definitely didn't have that version. Every single thing was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and there's also like a kind of a gift-giving, like when they're standing there swaying, ready to be killed, you can give them a gift and it's like a big present that opens out with a birthday cake and various other things. And I don't remember what the gifts were, but it got quite surreal at one point. Have you played any of the more modern violent games like GTA? GTA, I played GTA 3 quite a bit. 
in comparison to Mortal Kombat, is it mm. that violent? It's less graphic violence, but it's a more amoral setting because you're beating people up in the streets and killing policemen, so it's probably worse for the morals than Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat's monsters. Who were you, you in know. Mortal Kombat? Who was your favourite character? Well, who did you always Sub Zero? Yeah, <laughs> we all played Sub Zero. I'd like to be Goro. <laughs> if there was a cheek to be Goro <laughs> with the four arms, I'm pretty sure you could beat him in some way, but I can't remember how. And I think it was always Sub Zero because he's the easiest. But Scorpion's pretty good. Yeah, um, Scorpion's got the kind of throws a grappling hook at you. What does he say? Come over here or something? Yeah, yeah. That was um, amazing characters in it. Ah, there was it Raiden, the chap with the hat. Not a lot him. The last boss, what was it, Shang Tsung, the last boss, he could turn into anybody. And I'm pretty sure there was a way to fight us him, and there was all these moves you could just turn into any other character. That was pretty good. All right, so apart from nostalgia, are you reading anything at the moment? You showed me a great big oh, bundle of pfft. books last time we met. Yeah, there's well, there's this author called Nick Cutter, who writes horror, and his books are really scary. They're just so scary. I mean, this one book, it's called The Deep, and it's about this kind of evil force has made a disease on Earth, and the only thing that can cure the disease is this substance that's under the sea where the evil force lives. It's like an H.P. Lovecraft-type evil force. So they've gone down to this undersea station to find this substance that grows there that cures the disease and there's just everything scary you can think of it's like flesh-eating insects crazy people with axes claustrophobia rabid animals it's just one scary thing after another is i've i've had to put the book down i can't handle it anymore but the main thing is do we have sea monsters i haven't got that far yet I, there is some kind of sea beast. I I haven't got that far yet. It's yeah, it's really scary. Have you read any comics lately? Yeah, there's this one called Grandville. I probably think I showed you. It's oh, kind of Brian that's pretty Talbot. good. Yeah, and it's like a steampunk detective. It's very action movie ish. It's like steampunk crossed with Die Hard, crossed with Sherlock Holmes. And it's really good. When the characters are all animals for some reason, they're like badgers and dogs that can talk, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the story that they're animals. It just looks interesting. And it's an alternate future where France rules the world in Victorian times, which is interesting. It's just, the art is amazing. It's like steampunk Victorian France... Lots of explosions and action. So, yeah, that's really good. And Baltimore, of course. Baltimore's by... um, it's from one of the creators of Hellboy, I think. And Is it the artist or the artist and writer? It's not Mike Mignola, uh, is it? It's, it's written, co-written by him and... Uh, guy called Christopher Golden, who writes horror. Ah, he wrote vampire novels. That's such a good comic, though. He's just... He's walking through Eastern Europe, fighting vampires, evil nuns, comes across a convent full of these brainwashed 
zombie nuns and bat people, submarines full of fungus zombies that glow in the dark. It's just pure horror from start to finish. What's really really interesting about that comic book Mm. isn't the comic book, it's the fact that that was the last graphic novel that I'd picked up and when we first met, you picked it out of the bag. And I thought, that's weird. Oh. I was the last person who read that. Oh, yes. You probably, you probably were, yeah. Yes. That's, well, when we were doing the... We were going to the author meetup, and I was thinking, oh, I'd love to write some gothic horror, something like Baltimore, something like Hellboy, H.P. Lovecraft. And so I was at the library looking for things along those lines. So Baltimore was just... It was perfect, exactly what I wanted to read. Let me just tell the listeners about Baltimore, what he looks like, the character design. It's kind of like a cross between, I don't know, Mad Max and Long John Silver. Because <laughs> he's a lord. He's Lord Baltimore. So he starts off as being this very posh, well-dressed man. And then when he goes to fight his war against the vampires, he shaves his head and he wears kind of tough military clothes. So he's... So does he lose his limbs in World War One? He gets wounded in World War One, and he sees that these these evil bat demon creatures are kind of sucking the dark energy from the war. They're like flying over battlefields and feeding on the dark energy, and he sees them. I think he loses his leg in a normal battle, but because he's not dead, he's lying there wounded, he sees these bat creatures and swears his entire life to fighting them and... And they've also started this plague as well as the war. Yeah, I just haven't had time to read anything else. I've just been writing, really. Yeah, it's probably good to stop reading and start writing. There's a point where you read too much. As, yeah, I mean, I, if I ever want to get anything done in terms of my own writing, I probably need to just get on with it. I probably read too much thinking I need inspiration and then I just have too many. I never get started, really. <laughs> Okay, so are you going to see any films soon? I mean, I've already said that I would like to go and see Spectre. Yeah, Spectre. I'd like. To, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'm um, not a big Bond expert. Um, it's definitely really stylish. From the trailers I saw, it looks like they've more gone back to the 1960s feel, the kind of Sean Connery feel. It's very stylish and cool. Not trying to be modern, which is what I like. If you look behind you on the wall, that terrible printout on top, oh, that's yeah. another one of the Bond girls. She lasted about five minutes, Berenice Marlowe. So she was in, so in the first, in Casino Royale, was that? Was Eva Green, which film one. was Eva Green in? Yeah, I think that was Casino Royale. Yeah. Okay, so, so that she's from Skyfall, Bernice Marlowe. Oh, both right. Okay. French, and yeah, if you have, if anyone's listening, if they have the phone number of either of them, probably don't give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> or if either of you two are listening, are you? well, I'm I'm single. You could interview them on your podcast. It'd be yeah, make a good episode. Make a complete idiot of myself. That would no. be that would be an no. hour of silence <laughs> on my side of the mic. <laughs> and, um, well, and truly, so, <laughs> no, 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 no. just a yes, yeah, kind of a glamorous, 
very glamorous people. But you get these great actresses, and they're just zapped <laughs> in each. They're killed, aren't they? Oh well, that's yeah, that's <laughs> it's kind of this disturbing side to Bond, really, is how women always get killed. So the one th- there was that one where um, the actress Sophie Marceau had him in this kind of torture device where she was crushing his neck with this collar thing and then once he gets free he like just shoots her in cold blood and that was Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, that it? was Pierce Brosnan film. Yeah. But and she even, was a nasty piece of work. Yeah, but even I mean I thought that was quite a dark, grim film. Now people say the Daniel Craig ones are really grim, but no, the Pierce Brosnan ones were quite grim as well. He's like shooting women in cold blood, killing people left, right and centre and they're quite disturbing sometimes, like you say. The um, yeah, when these people that die in them. I think what's good about the newer Bond films is they're far less misogynistic. Women they, do yeah, die, I think but they probably Bond are. Yeah, seems to treat them <laughs> yeah, like people. So, so it's like it was really bad in some of the sixties ones when he's like Sean Connery's kind of. Tying them up with their own bikini strings. Oh, yeah, you remember that. <laughs> Was that Doctor No? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That was an incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable scene to watch. Yeah. And, uh, Even at the time, I wasn't that old, and I remember seeing it thinking, mm. that doesn't look right. Yeah, they, yeah, I suppose Roger Moore was a bit more smooth. I think Roger Moore probably treated women a bit more respectfully. But he was a bit boring, I thought. He wasn't yeah. as cool as Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> True. We both want to see Spectre. I also want to see Crimson Peak. It looks like a real gothic horror. It's by that um, Del Toro chap who made Pan's Labyrinth and the Hellboy uh, film. Yeah, I'm a so. big fan of yeah, Del um, Toro. Now the, what I've seen, I've only seen screenshots in Empire magazine and it looks amazing just from the screenshots just real like really nice um, atmosphere so I'm probably going to see that the first chance I get oh this is another recommendation for when you get your TV sorted out I don't know whether it's on Netflix or Amazon not sure where it is but definitely watch The Strain yeah I've heard of that series yeah I, I yeah I will make an effort to see that I've yeah, I've heard. I think there's a book to go with it as well. I've probably you know someone I know was reading the book a while ago. Yeah, I've, I've really got to see that. The TV series is going to blow you away, man. It really is good. <laughs> oh, well, I'll definitely track down a copy of that then. Yeah, and cause... if you've ever had any inclination to wanting to be a vampire, you won't anymore. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Let's just say bits fall off you. Oh, I've I've got to see that. That sounds like something I've got to watch. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think we can wrap it up for today. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much. And at the end of the show, it is... 12.56, 12.56, this was Roy's Rocket Radio episode something, which I can't remember 105, now, I think you said. I've got no idea what it is, because I've pinned Audacity up above I'm everything pretty else. sure it's 105. Yeah, and of course it is. 105, thanks Tom. This was episode 105 of Roy's Rocket Radio. 
recorded on Sunday the 8th of November 2015. Thanks for listening. Listen again and bye for now. Bye!